Good evening. Thank you all for coming. And I also would like to thank Rabbi David Solomon for inviting me to speak to all of you tonight and for organizing these lectures on a weekly basis, inspiring the entire community. Tonight's lecture is entitled Freedom of Speech. I want to touch upon three topics tonight. One is words that can build and words that can destroy. The second topic which we're going to touch upon is speech has to be authentic. Speech has to be real. Speech has to be sincere. And the third topic in tonight's lecture is going to be that speech is not only about words, it's also about expression. We're going to begin with a question. We all know the famous Chazal in Pirkei Yobai, says, Omer ma'at harbei. We should all say little and do much. There's also another Gemara in Psachim and Dav Gimel Amabes. Rav Huna says that when we speak, we should be concise. Don't overspeak. Don't speak more than we have to. Be concise in the words that we recite. So we see that our Chazal are very into making sure that we don't speak more than necessary. We all know we're approaching Pesach, Bezos Hashem, and Pesach is all about speaking. We say, We should speak to our sons on that night saying, the more we speak, the more praiseworthy we are. So I don't understand. Chazal tell us to speak little. But on the night of Pesach, we're told the more we speak, the more praiseworthy we are. So how do we understand this contradiction? And why is it the night of Pesach, it is so essential, and the highlight of the night is to teach and to talk? So we're going to answer it as follows and touching upon the three topics I just spoke about. When we were in the Midbar after 40 years, we were about to enter Eretz Yisrael. Moab was waiting for us with its leader, Balak. But Balak was afraid of us because he knew we had a tremendous leader, Moshe Rabbeinu. And he wasn't so sure that he would win the battle against Klai Yisrael when Moshe Rabbeinu is our leader. Balak wanted to know, what is the koyach? What is the strength of Moshe Rabbeinu? What will create his victory? Balak went out there, and they found out the secret power of Moshe Rabbeinu. And they came back and they told him, Ein koycho elo Moshe's greatest strength is his mouth. How did they know? How did they know that Moshe Rabbeinu's strength is in his mouth, in his debor? So let's go back. Moshe Rabbeinu fled from Mitzrayim. He came to Midian and he saw the daughters of Yisro outside by the well. The daughters run inside to Yisro and they say, Father, there's an Egyptian man standing outside. Yisro goes outside and he sees that's not an Egyptian. 
He's a Yisrael. He's Moshe. Why do you call him an Egyptian man? His daughters said to their father, this man Moshe, let me tell you what he told us. He grew up in the house of Paro. He went out into the fields and he saw his brothers as slaves. He saw the burden that they had to carry and he helped them. One day, he sees an Egyptian man, a Mitzri, lifting his hand and beating another Jew. So what did Moshe Rabbeinu do? Moshe Rabbeinu used the Shem HaMethayrish and he killed the Mitzri. As a result, Moshe Rabbeinu had to flee Mitzrayim and he came to Midian. So that's why we call him an Egyptian man. But we also know that his koyach is in his mouth. Because with just the words of the Rebbeinu Shalaylam, he was able to kill another man. And that's how Balak knew that the strength of Moshe Rabbeinu was in his pet. Look how he could kill. Just use words. So now, what does Moab do? How do they battle such a person who could just kill with the utter of his lips? Balak went and called their leader, who also had a koyach of the mouth. Who was that? Bilam. Bilam! But his mouth was tumah. Moshe Rabbeinu's mouth was tahara, was purity. So now you had two men going one against the other. You had the koyach tumah and you had the koyach tahara. But we all see that the strength was in the path. Lahavdel, in our own history, just in the recent 70, 80 years, we see that the Umay Sa'ilam, it's not only Bilam, it's not only Moshe, but unfortunately, we had some terrible leaders who also had the amazing ability to use their mouth. Hitler, Yamach Shemal Zichroi. He was known as the greatest demagogue. He had the ability to arouse his nation. His nation was a civil nation. But with his mouth, he was able to persuade them to turn into barbarians, to turn into animalistic people and murder innocent people. How? How could it be that one man was able to persuade an entire country to murder millions and millions of Yidin and other people. How? It was his Kayach HaPet. So what did he do? He took an amazing gift that Hashem gave him and what did he do? He used it for evil. However, at the same time, there were other great people who lived during the time of World War II. Winston Churchill, we all know Winston Churchill was also a great speaker, a great orator. But he used his gift of the mouth for good. What did he want to do? He wanted to stamp out evil. And I'd like to quote for you because I enjoy it very much. And I'm sure many of you here have heard his speech before. But it's worth repeating. He says, we shall fight on the seas and on the oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. 
We shall defend our island, whatever cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the street. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. What was Winston Churchill saying with his words? Winston Churchill was on the radio. Everyone was listening to his radio broadcast. All his soldiers, all of the army. This was the encouragement that they needed. This was the courage that they needed to fight. He was using his Kaya Hadibur to bolster his army to stamp out evil, to get rid of the enemy. So we see that in our own history, that two people came, one against the other, to fight, how? With speech. Rabbeinu Yoyna says that Klal Yisrael is beloved with its voice and is also hated. Where do we see that? Where do we see that we're loved with our voice and hated? There are two psukim. One is in Shir Hashirim, where it says, Hashmiyeni es kaileich ki kaileich Listen to your voice, because your voice is sweet. There's another pasuk in Yirmiya. It says, Nosna olai bekaila. I listen to the voice. Al kein siha. And therefore I hate it. I listen, but I hate it. I don't like it. How do we understand this? Either the voice is pleasant, or the voice is unpleasant. Which one is it? Can't be the same. So there's another Pasuk in Mishlei. And this Pasuk in Mishlei is the answer to the dichotomy of these two Psukim. The Pasuk says, Moves the Chayim biyad Lashon. Death and life are in the hands of the tongue. The Ohadeha and those who love it, Yoichal Pirya will eat its fruit. So listen carefully. We all know that death and life is in the tongue. Those who love it, what do you love? You love to talk. We all love to talk. Those who love to talk will eat its fruit. What does it mean to eat its fruit? You'll benefit. If you talk, you'll benefit. So we're going to have to now explore what this means. We all know that with our mouths, we can encourage people or we can discourage people. We can build people or we can put down people. We could say a kind word or we could say a disparaging word. We could speak Lashon Hara and it could cause a person to lose a shidduch or to gain a job. It's all in the koyach of the tongue. We could learn, we could learn musr, we could daven, we could create shalom, we could create peace, we could create harmony, we could raise the level of ruchnius in our kehila. This is all with our tongues. And that's what it means, moves v'chayim biyad halashon. So I want to illustrate what we are talking about with a beautiful story that I recently read. The Shabina Rav, at the end of his life, lived in the Shari Chesed 
community of Yerushalayim. And in the Shari Chesed community, there was a very well-known beggar, Ani. He walked around with tattered clothing, ripped clothing, asking for donations and tzedakah. And every single day he would make his rounds all around the Shari Chesed shuls. This Ani also had a certain quirk about him. He felt that he was a chazan, he was a cantor. And he had a special rendition of Yahalulu. When we return the Sefer Torah to the Aron Kaidesh, we say the words Yahalulu Hashem Hashem. He made up a beautiful tune. Every time you return the Sefer Torah, he would go to the Bima and sing his rendition of Yahalulu. When he did that, could you just imagine the scene in the shul? The children would laugh, and the adults would cringe. They wanted to go. They wanted to go to work. They wanted to go to learn. Yahalulu! After a while, he started to get the hint. He would sing Yahalulu on special occasions. Sheva brachas. If there was a chasen in shul on Monday or Thursday, or Shabbos, then he would sing Yahalulu. One day, this Ani comes to the shul where the Trevino Rav was davening. There was no chassan. He goes from man to man with his hand extended asking for money. He comes to the Trevino Rav. The Trevino Rav speaks into his ear quietly and he says to him, do me a favor. Today, I'm going to give you a few extra coins. But after we finish laning, I want you to go to the Bima, and as we return to Sefer Torah, sing Yahalulu. All the Mespalim were wondering, what did the Tribunal Rav say to this Ani? They didn't have to wait too long. <laughs> After laning, they take the Sefer Torah, they start escorting it back to the Aron Kaidesh, and the Ani rises to the Bima, and he begins his beautiful rendition of Yahalulu. But this time, the children did not laugh. Instead, the children formed a choir. And they sang harmony with him. The men did not cringe. They just smiled. They all understood what the Tribunal Rav had just whispered in the Ani's ear. Following davening, this Ani felt like a million dollars. The Tribunal Rav asked me to sing Yahalulu. He went around Shari Chesed neighborhood telling all his friends, you know what happened? The Tribunal Rav asked me to sing Yahalulu. What did it take? What did it take to make this Ani feel good? What did it take to make this Ani's day? Just sing Yahalulu. Imagine what we could do. What could we do in our day, in our week, or our yomtiv to make someone else feel good? It's just a kind word. It's just a nice gesture. This is what the yomtiv of Pesach is teaching us. Words, when they're used properly, can uplift a person. There's a Pasuk in Amos that says, Kihine Yoitzer Harim, Uboire Ruach 
Behold, Hashem has created mountains, He's created wind, and He will tell a person, when it comes to Shemayim, Masicho, what were His conversations? Rav Chaim asks, what does this Pasuk mean? What does Horim and what do winds have to do with the conversations of a person? What's the connection? Revelia Lapian answers as follows. There's a very, very strong connection. Wind can destroy. Look at a tornado. What could a tornado do to a city, to a town, to houses, to trees, to mountains? Just look at the hurricanes that we went through recently. These are winds. And look how destructive wind, which you can't see, cannot feel, can be so destructive. So too, our speech. You can't see the words. It's wind that is emanating from our mouths. Hashem is telling us, when you come to Shemayim, just like my winds could destroy, so too your conversations. Be careful. Be careful the way we speak. Be careful the way we converse with one another. It could be very destructive. On Pesach, we don't eat chametz. We rid our homes of chametz. What's the significance of chametz? Chametz represents the Yetzirah and represents arrogance. Why? Because you take chametz and what does it do? It causes the dough to rise. But if you would flatten the dough, it would become thin. So what is it? It's just air. It's just fluffy. It's really meaningless. It really doesn't exist. And that's what the Yetzirah is. The Yetzirah doesn't really exist. It's just arrogance. It's fluffy. It rises. But it doesn't really have any significance. On Pesach, we have an opportunity for seven days and eight days in Chutz Laaretz to remove the arrogance from our bodies, from our homes. In such a way that we understand who we really are. The Seder night, we're going to sing praises to Hashem. Avadim Hayinu, we were slaves and thank you Hashem for taking us out of Mitzrayim. Baruch HaMakam Baruch Hu will sing. Right? We'll sing and sing. Dayenu. But do we really mean it? Are we really sincere? Do we really thank Hashem for taking us out of Mitzrayim and all of the Nisan that He does for us on a daily basis? Or is it lip service? And there's no sincerity to it. At the Pesach table, we will compliment our children on the beautiful Divrei Torah. Do we really mean it? Is it authentic? We'll compliment our wives on the succulent food. But is there truth to it? The Seder night is an opportunity to reevaluate ourselves. Do we really mean what we say? Or is it just lip service? So the lesson here is, let's take for granted the words that we say and mean it 
wholeheartedly. The compliments that we give to one another, to our spouses, to our children, to the Rebbeinu Shalaylam, should be real. Rav Yitzchak Chutner Zatzal says that Adam was created with the gift of speech. Nothing else in the world has the ability to speak except a parrot. But a parrot just mimics without thought. We have the kayach of speech. We could think about what we say. We know the ramifications of what we say. Why? Why did Hashem give us Dibor? Why did Hashem give us the power of speech? Because we could elevate ourselves. We could elevate ourselves beyond the vegetable, beyond the fruit, beyond an animal. It differentiates us from everything else that Hashem created. We have the ability through our speech to accept Hashem or to reject Hashem. This is what the Koya Hadibor is all about. Differentiating, growing from it, or chas v'shalom, not growing from it. There's another interesting pasuk in relationship to Pesach. It says in Tehillim, I am Hashem, your God, who took you out of Mitzrayim, raised you out of Mitzrayim. Widen your mouth, and I will fill it. This Pasuk is very perplexing. First of all, what does going out of Mitzrayim, Hashem taking us out of Mitzrayim, have to do with Hashem widening our mouths and filling it? Where's the connection? So the Arizal says as follows. It's not about words. It's not about speech. That's not what we're talking about. The mouth here, widening and opening, is something else. In Mitzrayim, we had a different issue. The issue was that we were slaves to Paro. We had to do everything Paro told us to do. We didn't have the ability to really think on our own. We didn't have the ability to be creative. We were slaves. If we had to build peace of Ramses, we had no choice. If we had to form the bricks ourselves, we had no choice. There was no room for self-growth. We were slaves. No ability to express ourselves. This happens many times with people. People are conformed to do certain jobs that they don't really want to do. For example, let's say someone has a kayak to be a Rebbe, but instead he becomes an accountant. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but that's not who he is. He's meant to disseminate Torah. He's full of energy. He's full of enthusiasm. But instead, certain people told him to go and sit down at a desk and crunch numbers. You'll make a better living. You'll make more of a parnasa. You'll be able to support your family. But that's a slave. Why? Because you're confined. You have nowhere to move. You have no room to move. But if you're a Rebbe, you're excelling at what you were created to do. 
You're using your kayak. You're using your talent. Imagine you have a musician. He's a great drum player. But people give him advice to be a painter. Why be a painter? It's better for you. You don't have to be out so many nights a week playing in the orchestra and playing in the bands and playing at the chasanis. Your family needs you. You could paint whenever you want, at your desire. You could spend time with the family. But that's avdus. That's slavery. People who don't do what they want to do, or what they were created to do, and what they had the talent to do, are considered slaves. And the Arizal says that's the problem in Mitzrayim. We didn't have the ability to express who we really are. You know, I once saw a great quote from Steve Jobs, the creator of the iPhone. He says, don't allow the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. Meaning everybody has a lot of opinions. But so do you. So do I. Don't let everybody else drown out what you have to say. Of course, we have to listen to our parents and ask them, what's my gift? What's my talent? You have a good friend, a confidant, you should certainly ask him. People sometimes know better you than you know yourself because we're no gay abedavar. We don't get to see who we really are. It's our good friend who'll never let us down. He's the one who can tell me, you, what are my abilities. We don't have to listen to everybody else. It just gets confusing. So we've got to leave that servitude. We've got to leave that slavery. That's the lesson of Mitzrayim. I want to share with you an incredible story that depicts what it means to leave slavery and be able to express ourselves. I know the story firsthand. I heard it from the person who was involved. It takes place in Denver, Colorado. There's a yeshiva there. Rabbi Kagan is the Rosh Yeshiva. The mashkiach, his name is Rabbi Poulter. One day after Mincha, Rabbi Poulter went to the local pharmacy to purchase medicine for some of the Bachrim who had a cough. He comes into the pharmacy and he sees in one of the aisles someone who looked like a Bachar from the yeshiva. Black pants, white shirt, senses hanging out, typical boy. Rabbi Poulter thought that this guy was Chaim from the yeshiva. And he wanted to know, why is he in the pharmacy during Seder? Rabbi Poulter approaches him, and this guy was looking towards the shelves, so they didn't see face to face. Rabbi Poulter says, Chaim, no response. Calls out again, Chaim, still no response. Rabbi Poulter is agitated. What a chutzpah. I call your name twice and you don't respond? Rabbi Poulter taps him on the shoulder, and the guy turns around. And Rabbi Poulter sees it's not Chaim. It's a man from the community. His name is Yisrael Yanez. Rabbi Poulter is humiliated. He's evidently red. And this guy, Mr. Yanez, feels terrible. So Mr. Yanez, his name is Yisrael, says to Rabbi Poulter, Hey Poulter, don't worry about it. It's okay. I want to share with you a story. He says, you know, I'm a Gare, right? I come from Hispanic descent. And I used to live in Mexico, and I was a sports player. 
I was a soccer player. And I was part of the Mexican team. It's the end of the season. And my team, if it wins the opposing team, is going to the World Cup. The World Cup is significant like to the Super Bowl here in America. The game is tied. The next goal wins the game. I strategically plan myself a few feet away from the goalposts. And I'm waiting for that pass. After several minutes, the pass comes. The ball is a little bit above my head. I quickly think, how can I kick that ball? I do what's a bicycle kick. I jump up, somersault in the air, and I hit the ball with my feet into the goal. And we won the game. We are now off to the World Cup. We won. Mexico is in the World Cup. He says, Rabbi Poulter, every single radio station was speaking about my bicycle kick and our win towards the World Cup. My name was Pedro then. Everywhere you went, it was all about Pedro's bicycle kick. Finally, the day of the World Cup arrives. And as you know, the announcers call out each player and their number. In the stands are 140,000 fans. I'm next. They call out my name. Pedro, number 21. The entire stadium rises to its feet in applause and they start singing and chanting, Pedro, Pedro. So do you know what I felt like? I felt like the greatest man in the world. They're screaming my name. Everybody loves me. Rabbi Poulter, I want to tell you something. You calling me Chayim when my name is Yisrael is much more meaningful. Pedro is meaningless. I was a slave then. I was a slave to my desires. Today, I'm a free man. Calling me Chaim in a drugstore is nothing greater. I am proud to be a Jew. I am proud to be a Yid. I am able to express myself. I am who I want to be. I am not in some type of conformity. This is what the Seder is all about. This is what eating matzah is about. We left servitude. We're all free. We've got to express ourselves. We've got to be who we were created to be. We all have these great talents and gifts. We have to utilize it. It's interesting that Mitzrayim, where we were slaves, comes from the word Mitzah. Mitzah means boundary. That's exactly it. We were in a boundary. Paro created boundaries. We couldn't move to the right, to the left, backwards, forwards. We were confined to him, to his whims, to his logic. Now we're free. Utilize it. I'll give you another short story of what it means not to live a life that's confined. A life where we could be open-minded. There was a conversation between two people, Reuben and Shimon. 
Reuven was collecting money for a chesed organization. He approached his friend Shimon. Shimon was a well-to-do person who had a lot of contacts and could really help out this chesed organization. Reuven says to Shimon, we need $5,000. Can you help out? And please let me know other friends that you may have who could help out as well. Shimon refused. He said, no, it's not for me. I don't want to get my friends involved. This is not my type of chesed to do. And he re utterly refused. What is that? That's narrow-mindedness. He didn't have the ability to open up his mind and say, I have an ability. Let me utilize it. I could help out another person. I could help out another organization. But he couldn't. He wasn't willing to expand. Also, paro. The name paro means pa, pe, ro, ra. He had an evil mouth. What does it mean he had an evil mouth? That he didn't give us the ability to speak. He didn't let us learn. He didn't let us dive in. So in Mitzrayim, we were in the Mitzah, we were in boundaries. We didn't have the ability to use our pet. Today, Baruch Hashem, we are free to a certain extent. We live in a great Medina. We have the ability to express ourselves. We have the ability to learn. We have the ability to have great organizations. We have the ability to speak. So in summary, let us take this great yontif of Pesach. Yes, the yontif of Pesach, the mouth to suck, to talk, to use it as a springboard for the rest of the year that even though we really should minimize our speech, but Pesach is a time to teach our family and to teach ourselves that the way we use our words could either bring death, destruction, or construction. Let us remember that speech has to be real. It has to be sincere. Our thanks, our praise. And last but not least, speech is not only in words, but it's also in the expression, the way we express ourselves with our talents and our gifts that the Rebbein Shalom gave us. And I just want to end off with the Shalom. The Shalom says, Sach, 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 is talking, speech. But if you change the words, pity. Hashem, if we talk on Pesach about you and thank you and praise you, please have pity on us. Please bring the geula. And may we all be zaycheh to say, Thank you all for coming and for listening.